Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle, so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 278, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. We've got a lot to discuss. The Cowboys' second preseason game, much better, much more encouraging than their first preseason game, and we will share all of our thoughts, taking a look back at the win over the Chargers. Jacques had the unique experience of moving his son into college, so that'll be a fun conversation. But before we start anything, as always, we tell you about our friends at Greening Law. Robert Greening and his staff, the Green Team at Greening Law, if you've been hurt in a car accident, as I was, if if maybe you were injured on the premises of a business, whatever the case may be, if you think you've got a case and you need legal help, then you got to go with Robert Greening and the staff of Greening Law because they take over all that stuff. They handle all the headaches. They deal with all that crap that you go through truly so that you can focus on, oh, my back still hurts. I need to get it better. Or my legs messed up, whatever the case may be. Bro, that's exactly why you pick up the phone and call Greening Law at 972-934-8900. And that's because you need somebody to help you through what can be a really complicated, tedious process. Uh, there's a lot of questions involved, some of which you not even you don't even know you're supposed to ask. Mac can vouch for that. Uh, plus, man, whenever you're fighting another person's insurance company, what do you need? You need your own fighter to fight with you, to ride with you. That's what Greening Law does. And so I would tell you, if you've been in any kind of accident, car accident involving an 18-wheeler or anything like that, accident at a business, anything, man, give them a call, 972-934-8900. Let them help you. Exactly. It's very easy to do that. Consultation's free, by the way. I mean, you pick up the phone, you give them a call, and you can just walk through the process, and they'll tell you if you, if you have a case. It's 972-934-8900. Robert Greening, call him now. Office, Dallas, Texas. Those Dallas Cowboys are headed back to Texas. They've been on the West Coast or out West, you want to throw in the time in Denver, for like a month now. And we are hurtling towards the end of this preseason thing. They've got one more preseason game. It'll be coming up on Friday to wrap up the preseason. But Saturday night in Los Angeles, taking on the Chargers. And all in all, you know, it's interesting because now that I I have in my mind, and I have to to credit you for this. 
I, I stopped. I hope this is good. Well, I stopped looking at it and wanting the offense to do things. And I'm trying to see this as a team that has a chance at having a really good defense. And I think, again, they had a good defensive performance against Denver. They had a really good defensive performance for the most part last night against the Chargers. And I think if you look at it that way, and we, we haven't seen anything on offense with the, the starters on offense yet to really know what it's going to be, other than the fact that the receivers are going to struggle. I think that's obvious without CeeDee Lamb. But I got to tell you, man, you, you mentioned this a week or two ago, and I think you're right. This defense has a chance to legitimately be even better than it was last year. No, I think that's because, and I've talked about this a lot in the past, because I've seen it in the past, and it's a very nuanced thing that uh, a lot of people just don't, don't notice. And here's what it is, Matt. Their defense might be to the point where they're not putting any bad players on the field. And you're like, well, duh. No, no, no. You know, sometimes when you dip into the backups, you put a bad player on the field or a below average player on the field. Or sometimes if you're weak at a certain area on your squad, there's an average, there's a below average player on the field. They might be to the point where they've either got good, where their worst players on defense might be solid. And if that's the case, you can put a really good defense together. It also means you can rotate guys on a regular basis, keep them fresh with Micah Parsons and, you know, the cornerbacks being the only dudes that are going to play the whole game, so to speak. And so it might be to the point where they're getting like that because we had a Tristan Hill sighting last, yeah. last night, and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things, I think, with that group because Gallimore played a bit last night, Odigizua played. You saw Watkins, as you mentioned, Tristan Hill, Ridgeway, the rookie from Arkansas that they have. I mean, those are five guys right there that they can rotate in the middle of the defense at defensive tackle. And it feels like, and granted, it's, it's backups. It's backups playing against backups. But Gallimore and Digizua are probably going to get some opportunities to start. Watkins, and I just think what we've seen in the first couple of preseason games, the one thing that they could get gashed at last year, and it happened in the playoff game against the 49ers, was against the run. You know, they got a lot of picks. They got a lot of takeaways. They got some pressure on the quarterback from time to time. But teams could run on them. And so far in the preseason, the Broncos ran it 22 times for 29 yards. Last night, if you take out the quarterback numbers, the running backs for the Chargers ran 23 times for 53 yards. And to me, if you're doing that and your backups are capable of doing that, and we don't think that they're as good as the guys who are going to get the bulks of the snap starting, I, I, I think it's it's a really positive sign for this defense. If they're going to be that much better against the run this year, this can be maybe one of the best defenses we've seen the Cowboys have in years. Well, that's, um, that's a good point, bro, because here's the deal. Yeah, teams don't run anymore for the most part. It's a passing league. We all know that. But it's all about I want to run when I want to run. And if you snuff out the run where teams cannot run, you know, where running is not really an option for them, then they've got to throw. And once they've got to throw, well, then you can play all kind of games in your secondary. You can bring all kind of different blitz packages if you don't have to worry about the run. When you let teams become, you know, versatile, balanced, whatever, I mean, it's just a hard day for anybody's yeah. defense. So you're always trying to take away the run, but it's very rare that somebody actually does and be like, nah, bro, that's, that's not something you can do with uh, against us. And if the Cowboys can get to that step, then – it can make up for what I expect to be a subpar offense this year. Like, I don't see this as an offense scoring 28 points a game like they did for most, much of last year. Um, you know, to me, this looks like a 
22, 23 points a game. And the defense is going to have to help them out with that in a return game, too. Yeah, and, and, you know, when you look at this, I mean, we, we talk about those guys that kind of stood out. And, you know, their secondary, I think Deron Bland, he, he flashed last night and, and showed some things. It's kind of interesting because I don't know if you want a guy who was a fifth-round pick this year to be better than your second-round pick from a couple of years ago or your third-round pick and Nashawn Wright and Kelvin J- Joseph, obviously. I don't know about right. He, he's got that length. He's got that that height that I think Dan Quinn really likes, but he got burned again. He had a penalty on a pass interference last night. But you look at Deron Bland, and to me, he sh- again, it's preseason and you're going against backups, but I, I feel like, okay, if we're saying Trayvon Diggs and Anthony Brown and Jordan Lewis are your top three cornerbacks, you can add Bland in and you and, I don't. They've just like you're talking about. I feel like we're starting to see some pieces that give the the Cowboys some depth defensively that they don't have offensively. I think that's the key. Like you feel good. I think what you're saying is you feel good about the backups that the defense puts in, and when the offense puts in backups, you use that cringe face emoji. Yeah, uh, it looks like the teeth are chattering because you're like, oh my god, I have no idea what to expect. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's good, but I, I really have no idea. And so, to me, that's the biggest thing on offense. Like, again, Josh Ball didn't look anything anything other than below average last yeah. night. And so, now you're like, okay, so if Tyron Smith, who misses three games a year for the last five years, so we assume he's going to miss three games. Are we just going to move Tyler Smith out to tackle and put Connor McGovern in guard? Is that really what we're going to do? And, and so, that's fine, but understand – how many snaps has, you know, Tyler Smith played at left tackle? It'll be none in the NFL, and it'll been like, you know, hardly none in training camp. Why? Because you need to get him ready for guard. Yeah, yeah. No, so it, you're gonna ask an inexperienced guy to play a position he's never played, and then wonder why he sucks. <laughs> Very true, man. And, and you're right. I think Josh Ball. I I, I don't see it. I, he isn't even average. I mean, he's again, and that's the thing is that you look at this guy and you say, okay, you're struggling against backups. Draw. Like, yeah, like, bro. Right. You, you're, that's, you're, that's it. You're struggling against guys that, in a lot of cases, from what we've seen with Josh Ball in the first two preseason games, you're struggling against guys who probably aren't even going to make the team. And yeah. to me, I look at that and go, it's one thing to say, okay, Josh Ball, if we needed you as our swing tackle, and you're going up against the Denver Broncos starting defense or the Los Angeles Chargers starting defense, then maybe I can see, man, okay, so you struggle against Bosa and whatnot. You're struggling against guys that are third teamers at best and guys that won't play in the league that are practice squad guys, and you look like that. Bro, I mean, you know, uh, sometimes it's an adjustment to the league. Sometimes you're just not good enough. Um, and so, you know, we're not, I'm not sure if we know exactly what it is for him yet, although it feels like you're not good enough. And, you know, that, that just happens sometimes. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they play it out because – They've been trying to get a tackle for a couple years now, bro. <laughs> I know, man. They really have. And at some point, you know, they keep trying to get him in the third, fourth round. Maybe they're going to have to step up and take one in the second round uh, or the first round to really get the kind of pedigree and player that you want. Yeah, they're going to have to do something like moving forward that you're talking about. But I think when you start looking at some of the positives, and there were obviously some negatives, of course, last night, and we'll touch base on those, but you keep the positives with the run defense and the way they looked. And yes, Josh Ball was one of the negatives. I got to say, man, Tyler Smith last night, I thought was noticeable. Again, he's doing it against the other team's backups. And this is a dude that you want to be your starting left guard. He had a false start penalty on a third and seven that you hate seeing. 
But I thought he had some good moments, and, and you could see flashes of why they're high on this guy. And I will say this. I don't know a lot about offensive line play. You know, I have to go back and watch a dude multiple times when people are like, oh, his hands. You go, okay, you can see his hands and stuff like that. But he has obvious power. I mean, that dude is a, a physical, powerful man. It was um, – I spent an inordinate amount of time looking at him last night. And I got to tell you, um, and I don't mind telling you, I'm, I'm glad, he was moving people last night. Yeah. And, like, you could see – and here's what happened, man. I'm like you. I'm not going to sit there and lie and tell y'all, oh, yeah, I, I could see that his pad level was, was a little too high on that play, and that's why he got beaten. His foot was, a, you know, three degrees off, and that's why he got beaten on the other play. But what happened is they were running left and picking up yards, even if the dudes were cutting back. And so then you go back and look at the play and say, okay – they had a successful running play. What happened over there? And you see Tyler Smith was just moving yeah. people last night. And so you go, okay, this is good. And, you know, you, you hope that you continue to see progress. And, you know, I'm sure there'll be a flood of folks. Oh, see, so you said he sucked and now you're like he's good. You know what, man? People improve and people get better and people get worse. You don't stay the same when we're talking football. Um, and so if he's going to get better, then good. And guess what? You have to say, hey. He's gotten better. Yeah, see, and, uh, and, and I think like we, we talk about Josh Ball. Well, you look at Tyler Smith. He's doing it against backups, but he is – you're noticing him and you're saying, okay, this is a guy that you can use out there. Now we'll see what happens when the season begins, and he's playing against better defensive players than what other teams are going to throw out in the preseason. But I thought it was a positive step forward. I, I really liked what I saw from Tyler Smith last night. Bruh, you can't expect to hope to compete against starters if you're getting your ass kicked by backups yeah i mean it, this ain't complicated bro and so the first step the first step the very first step to being good is how about this you start kicking butt kicking butt um against backups yeah and last night there were moments where he was like a bulldozer out there man he was road grading and guys were running behind him and it was nice so can he develop and continue to do this and, and turn into your starting left guard? Let's hope they name him that and he gets all the reps that he needs and continues to improve. You know, he's a young guy. Like you always like to say, sports is fluid. <laughs> yeah, what's true today might not even be true this afternoon. Right. So we may come on the podcast after the preseason game next Friday and be, oh, man, okay, so he sucks again. Who knows? But he was good last night. Obviously... If we're talking about positives, the number one positive from last night is the Cowboys might have an elite kick returner because Cavante Turpin, who had a kickoff return for a touchdown and a punt return for a touchdown, that dude has some wheels that if you give him a seam, he's gone. And Bro. I mean, he was, it was like some of the other guys were moving in slow motion. He was that fast. And I wondered, okay, saw him in the USFL the MVP of the USFL and the speed that he had in that league. And you wonder, okay, but these are NFL players and that is real speed, man. That dude has elite speed and it's real. And the Cowboys got this guy that you kind of wonder if they continue to kick to him in the regular season and he does that, do they just find a returner people don't want to kick to? Oh, I, I, I Doug, NFL teams are not stupid. Uh, we've seen the Cowboys do it. We've seen other teams do it. Uh, they may give him a couple of shots in the regular season uh, with their starting, you know, return units, uh, return units there. But, uh, bruh, that dude, whoo, 
too. Like, and you know, the kickoff return was great, but that was well blocked. There was a seam as one cut to the sideline gone. That punt return, that was a whole nother story, brother. That was like, and a lot of us know this because we played back in the day. Did y'all play uh, throw up tackle, Matt? Throw up tackle? Well, I mean, everybody calls it a different thing where you got one football and 20 guys, you throw it up. Oh, yeah. Whoever catches it, tries to, what'd y'all call it? Well, I can't say what we used to call it. Oh, I know what you probably called it. It was smear kind of the, and you can't, yeah. you know, now you would never call it that anymore. That's what we called it when I was a kid. Or it, So I, I don't know what people would call it today. Uh, yeah. Well, we we just called it throw up tackle. Okay. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> Like throw okay. it up. It was throw the ball up and then go tackle the guy. Yeah. Not yeah. like vomit tackle. Right. No, I got you. I got you. <laughs> anyway, he looked like that dude out there because there's a cat. Um, when we used to play in middle school, which is how I got stitches over my eye one day, uh, there was a guy named Clifford Creeks. And uh, I still see him now when we have reunions or whatever. You could not tackle that dude to save your life. Now, he ended up playing linebacker once we got to Skyline. But you couldn't tackle him at all in the eighth grade. And so um, at that point, bro, he looked like he was out there playing throw-up tackle, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because he took that first step backward. Then he, to lead the one guy, then he went up and he cut left. And he's like, ah, oh, there's no room here. Dance, 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 dance. Oh, there looks like something there to the right. He hit it right, man. Accelerated, cut it, and he was gone. Yeah. He's impressive. He's going to make the team. He's going to be active for game days, barring injury. And he is, he's got a chance to be one of the exciting, dynamic returners. They, I mean, they found him. They found their guy that they're going to put back to return punts and kicks. And he's legit. Yeah. No, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And that was a, obviously a massive positive from last night. Uh, I also, and you had kind of mentioned this as well, it, I'm at a point now where why is Cooper Rush consistently the backup on this team? The backup oh, quarterback. Uh, is it just because he knows the system? They know that he knows what they're doing? Because I just don't see what, like to me, I liked what Will Greer brought more than I like what Cooper Rush has ever brought. Right. And so, to uh, me, I, I don't know why they – and I know it's the injury. Like, Greer has a groin thing, and McCarthy said that he might have re-aggravated after last night. So maybe they do like Greer more, but they have to have Rush because he's healthy right now. I don't know. This is my thought, bro. Um, I, in watching last night, and I'm not that surprised, Greer looks like a better player. Uh, but he's also got more pedigree, man. Yeah. He played at a, I mean, he played at a bigger place in college, and he's got more pedigree. And so, you know, I think he's just got more tools to work with. And it wouldn't surprise me if he if he wins the job. Um, check this out, Doc. I don't think this now we could we could bet on this. This would be a good bet. I I don't think if you cut Cooper Rush, anybody's going to put a waiver claim in on him. Not seriously. I think you can get him back and put him on the practice squad if yeah. you want to. If if he can if he's still eligible for that, um, but uh, you know there's some comfort when you put the backup in there because uh, you know at least you know he can function and do everything he's supposed to do. But uh, you know I would uh, I would probably roll the dice with Will Greer because yes Cooper Rush won a game last year and he looked good doing it, but he ain't done enough where he gets an automatic pass for the next decade because he won a game. <laughs> yeah, I, I would think so and. To you know me, what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I, I would like to see Will Greer as the backup. You want to keep Cooper Rush because you need a third guy or whatever, like you're talking about. I mean, I'm sure you could practice squad him. And then get rid of Danucci. Ben Danucci should not be in the NFL. <laughs> I'm just being, I, I don't know what to tell you guys. 
It's a cute. Uh, I get it. Mike McCarthy likes him because their background and and he's a, you know, a, a Pennsylvania Pittsburgh kid. I get it, but that dude, I'm I'm sorry, man. I I just he's not an NFL quarterback. Um, nah, nah. I don't think that. Um, I just have. I mean, at some point, man, the Pittsburgh love got to stop, right? <laughs> you, you would think so. I mean, I, I I don't know what the deal is. I get it. He he went to high school in Pittsburgh, and he played for Pitt for a couple of years before he transferred. I understand, but I, I just don't know what it is that they think this guy has. I don't know. Um, dude, I, I don't know. You know what, bro? I bet some of it is uh, his compete. I bet that's some of it. And then I bet the other part of it is He's a great dude. You know, he's good in the locker room. Remember, I like him. Da 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 da. Cool. I bet. I bet that's some of it. All right. I mean, I, it's some sort of weird pet project obsession that McCarthy has with them. So whatever. Knock yourself out. I guess that's just how I feel about it. I will say some of the other positives. There's a couple more that I, that kind of jumped out to me. Obviously, the penalty situation. I said I'd like them to have single digits. They did. They went from 17 in the first preseason game, which is absolutely colossally unacceptable. They had eight last night. And that right, right. that helps, you know, yeah, you'd like to even see less than eight, but the fact that you could go out there in a week and that you can work on some things and they just looked mentally more into this thing than they did in week one, which was nice to see. Uh, uh Yeah. I mean, you look mentally into it just because you don't get your ass kicked. I mean, you can be <laughs> mentally true. into that's it true. and get your ass kicked. Yeah. And that's just that's just the way it turned out for you. Um, defensively, they played another solid game. Um, offensively, they didn't have nearly the mistakes. Eight penalties instead of 17, so that makes you look better. Uh, but, um, you know, dude, this is just this is the new NFL where you, you know even less about the team heading into the regular season than you used to because they ain't playing none of the starters. And, uh, you know, every time somebody gets hurt, uh, let me see, I just read, I just heard this morning, I think it was a backup quarterback. So, you know, it's tempered, but it's the example remains the same. Yeah. Backup quarterback from some team, sorry, I can't remember y'all, suffered like a torn Liz Frank ligament. Oh, it was Matt, like Matt Corral from the Panthers. Yeah. But all that takes for you to hear is, yeah, he's their third guy, whatever. Or, you know, second, whatever he is there, he ain't starting. But what if that happened to Dak? Yeah. Okay, let's hit his ass. Yeah, you have to. You know, if we, if, we, if we lose him in a regular season, well, then, you know, that's just football that happens. Yep. If we leave him in, lose him in a preseason, we literally will be saying, my God, what have we done? So nobody's playing nobody, bro. Yeah, and that's why when, when you look at this, you hear a lot of us, we're talking about guys that may or may knock the team. We're talking about all their backups and whatnot. But that's because they're not going to play the starters. They're not going to play them on Friday. I don't think you're going to see the starters take a single snap. I, I, like, I don't think Dak or Zeke or any of those guys are going to step foot on the field to the regular season. No, nah, I think you're right. But the way it's happening, most teams are playing like that. So I don't necessarily think it's a, a huge disadvantage anymore, you know? Yeah. The other thing that kind of stood out to me, and, and look, we know that this is Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard, but I got to tell you, man, Malik Davis has got a little something, and, and he looked good last night. I, I don't know that they're going to keep four running backs, and so you wonder, is it going to be Doddle or is it going to be Davis? Right. Doddle's got the experience. He's been around for a long time. 
but I mean, Davis, Davis, I think had 6.4 yards of carry last week. He had 4.6 last night. Even Doddle, Doddle had some nice moments as well, but Malik Davis just looks like he's got a little something extra. And again, we're talking about your third running back. I I don't know who they're going to keep out of those two. It's probably going to be Rico, but I thought Malik Davis showed a little something. And and it helps, again, going back to like Tyler Smith a couple of times, looking at the offensive line, even Farniok, or however you say that dude's name, the the backup center that was coming in, he, he had a, some road-grade moves himself. I mean, hell, that one, I can't remember if it was Davis, I think it was Davis, where Smith opens it up, and then Farniok is just like taking a dude 15 yards down the field blocking him. Bro. That's that's what you want. <laughs> but I like that. I, I like Jake Ferguson, man. I, the rookie tight end. All I've seen from him so far is the reason why I don't know that they're actually going to sign Dalton Schultz to a long-term contract because I think you can have both those guys this year and hope that he shows and develops and you can use Ferguson as your number one tight end next season. But, but he's shown some good things. Dude, we talked about this ad nauseum, bro, in the offseason. Jake Ferguson is the reason why ain't nobody paying Dalton Schultz ten, you know, ten million or let me see, ain't nobody paying him no long term deal, four years, sixty million or whatever he yeah. wants. Why? Because Jake Ferguson look like the same guy. And as soon as he's ten million comes off the books next year, I would wager you right now that Jake Ferguson be a tight end for the next three years at a total cost of about two million dollars. And that's why Dalton Schultz is not getting a long term deal. Not that he's not a solid player. Not that he's not a good player. But he ain't no difference maker. And in the NFL, you only pay difference makers. Everybody else got to go because of your salary cap. It's difference makers. Now, that don't mean all your difference makers make a difference. Sometimes, like we paid you, dog, where's the difference? Well, I don't know. I used to have it. (laughs) Now I don't. Right, yeah. But when we paid you, it's because you were a difference maker. Yeah, and... It's going to be interesting, and I'm going to say something because I think a lot, of the, a lot of you that listen, I would not be surprised if there's some of you that come back at the end of the season and go, oh, you, don't, you still don't want to sign Dalton Schultz because of their receiving situation. I wouldn't be surprised if Dalton Schultz has like very good numbers this year because Dak's comfortable with them, and I think they're going to target him a lot because of that, but I still don't necessarily – he could go out and catch 100 balls this year, honestly. Bro, and I still I don't you. know that that moves the needle for me. 100 balls for 904 yards and right. seven touchdowns. Because he's going to get a ton of targets. He just is. Yeah. Uh, again, you pay people to be difference makers. In baseball, what do you pay people for? Homers and RBIs. You know, when it's all said and done, that's what you pay them for. Um, you know, you just can't pay everybody. And so you got to have a standard. And the standard is if you're a difference maker, then we'll pay you. We'll pony up. We'll ante up. We'll do yeah, what it takes. Yeah. If not, everybody else got to go, man. Even if you're a really good player, Cedric Wilson, you think they wouldn't have loved to keep Cedric Wilson? He's a good player, but he ain't a difference maker. And so they had to let him go. And guess what, bro? He the third receiver on the Dolphins. I guess he, that's a step up because he's the fourth receiver here. Yeah. But between Cheetah and your boy from Alabama, he ain't finna get no balls. Yeah, that's true. Waddle and Hill is gonna they're gonna get a ton of targets over there right. and, and Wilson will it'll pretty much be what he was in Dallas. But he got, he paid. got paid. Yeah, so <laughs> good for him, you know. Right. Ain't nobody mad at him. He got paid. He did what he had to do, and he's a good dude, so good for him. But, you know, that's today's NFL. It's about difference yeah. makers and draft choices, brother. Yeah, and the, the other thing that I was disappointed in last night when you look at this, you gotta talk about Jalen Tolbert and 
it is becoming increasingly concerning, and we've talked about this a gazillion times. I, I, there is no way they are going into the regular season with the group of receivers they have. I cannot believe it. I refuse to believe even, it. They might even have to trade for one, man. Yeah, and, and um, I, I wonder what they're going to do. But Jalen Tolbert, the drop on the third and nine, you have to, you can't do that. But I don't know how he didn't get both feet down, and that to me was weird. Because he had room to do it, and guys that play at a certain level, it's, I don't know. When he didn't get both feet down and it cost him a touchdown in the back of the end zone on that one, I thought, man, that is, most receivers have a better effort than what he was doing in that situation. I I just thought that was a weird Uh, one to me. No, you know what? That's a good word, although the word I chose was casual. He was just too casual okay. about it. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Because I don't want to, I don't want it to sound like he wasn't trying or whatever. Because I think he was. He was just casual, and you can't be casual in the NFL. It has to be some urgency at all times. But let me, can, let me, let me give you my opinion on this, Matt. Okay. Drum roll, please. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like setting it up. There it is. Here it is. Jacques' opinion. You can't be mad at Jalen Tobe because you fucked up and put all these expectations on him. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Why you mad at me? Because you did all this other stuff to put me in a position where me, a third-round pick from South Alabama, now I got to be your, I got air quotes here, savior for the passing game. Y'all, I mean, let me ask you this, man. When they drafted Michael Gallup in the third round from Colorado State, did anybody say anything about Michael Gallup need to be a savior? Michael Gallup need to step in right away and contribute and do this, that, and the other thing? No, they didn't. They, oh, we hope he can contribute. He's a good player. He's contributing on some special teams. He'll do this for us. Yeah, we, got, we think he's got a bright future. Why? Because they already had some receivers. <laughs> Starting with Amari Cooper. Well, again, it ain't Jalen Tobin's fault that you gave away Amari Cooper for a couple peanut butter sandwiches. It ain't his fault that James Washington, who's just a guy anyway, got hurt. So all of a sudden, you heap all these expectations on me when I ain't really even ready for him, man. I'm just trying to get to the NFL and figure out if I can play. Mm-hmm. Now, there's another part of you could say, you know, the league is all about opportunity, man. You have a great opportunity. You need to take advantage of it. You know what the answer to that is, Matt? He's trying. He ain't good enough yet. Yeah. He might be good enough in a year. He might be good enough in six months or four months or eight games. He ain't good enough yet. And I ain't mad at him because it ain't really his fault that he ain't good enough yet. I think that's fair. I would. That's a great point. And it's it's just obvious. And, and again, he's a third round pick from, as we mentioned, he's from South Alabama. He played it. We're it, it, not even a power five school. And so th- those are the things it's going to take him some time. And I do think he can develop. But again, you don't expect a third-round rookie from a non-Power 5 school. You don't expect a third-round wide receiver. I don't care where you play, to be honest with you, to come in and immediately be ready to make a big-time impact in the first month of his NFL career. And it's little things like that, but that's why this receiving thing, whether they're going to trade for a receiver, whether they're going to wait and see what the roster cuts are and, and where that would go, I don't know. But they're going to have to do something. And they. this is why I said Dalton Schultz was going to get a gazillion targets. Because you literally look at this and you say, well, if it's not Jalen Tolbert, then Simi Fajoko is going to have to step up. Or Dennis Houston is right. going to really have to do something. Or Noah Brown. That's what we're talking about. 
Right, and if, right, if right. I'm Dak and I look back, I'm like, well, shit, CeeDee Lamb is double covered. So do I want to force it to Lamb? Or there's Dalton Schultz in the middle of the field for a seven-yard game. Bro. <laughs> I mean, seriously. And I know they're going to use Pollard and they'll get creative and do some things, but the passing game and what we are seeing from the receivers – they cannot feed me enough lines of crap for me to believe that they believe that they can win with this group of receivers. Nah. And uh, I'm not going to believe it. And so I expect them to make a move. The question is how much of, you know, because again, Michael Gallup's coming back and you've paid him a bunch of money. You got CD coming up who's going to deserve, we expect to get a bunch of money, especially in the, today's new wide receiver market. I mean, my God. Uh, so, you know, how big a move can you make? Because Michael Gallup will be back, back in a month. And so, you know, they're kind of hamstrung a little bit, man. I mean, they might go get some used-up veteran. And if that's the case, you might as well bring in one of the guys on the street, whether it's uh, – although, you know, again, most of those guys seem like they're slot guys. Uh, Emmanuel Tober, T.Y. Hilton, you know, all yeah, those guys. yeah. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders. Right, Emmanuel yeah. Tobert was a wide receiver for SMU in the late 70s. How about that? Wow, look at that drop. <laughs> I was like, do you mean Jalen Tolbert or Emmanuel Sanders? No, but you I meant mean, an actual guy. It was Emmanuel Tobert. He played wide receiver for SMU in like 79, right when they were getting good. Or 70, it could have been even before that. Because uh, the running back was Arthur Whittington. Uh, you know, clearly I was a quarterback, I think, was Mike Ford. Okay, I'm dating myself My way too much now. Okay. <laughs> well, there you have that. You have that. Was that's awesome? Uh, okay, I just looked him up on Google. Emmanuel Tolbert. Uh, he, let me see. He was a he was a stud in the, in the Canadian football. God, dog, he's sixty three now. Man, I mean, well, if Fuck. he played if he played at SMU in the late seventies, of course, I'm like fifty five. You know, so uh, you know, there here's is what happened. He was what twenty one, and I was thirteen. It just didn't seem so bad then. Okay, Emmanuel Tolbert. See, fuck you. Yeah. I mean, I didn't mean to say it like that. But Whoa. Emmanuel Tolbert, 1976. He was a freshman. Mm -hmm. 17 catches, 371 yards. This is a this is a uh, uh, podcast rabbit hole. 1977, 64 catches, 996 yards, six touchdowns. 1978, 62 catches, 1,041 yards, 11 touchdowns. 1979, Dickerson and James showed up, brother. 28 catches, 376 yards. Yeah, that'll do it to you, man. <laughs> Obviously, I was a huge SMU fan then, but he was a he was a really good player in the Canadian Football League for a long time, I think. Well, there it is. The Emmanuel Tolbert knowledge series for all of you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to say it like that. Let's see, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 12 years in the Canadian Football League, had a four-year stretch where it looked like he averaged about 65 catches for 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns in the middle of his career, which makes sense. Start off slow, adapt to the league, become a star for about five or six years, and then fade off as you get old. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> Emmanuel Tolbert. <laughs> Now we all we now know. And who now is. you know the rest of the story. <laughs> Jeez, there's my Paul Harvey tribute. I was gonna I was gonna say when we were talking to go back to the idea that they might trade for a receiver. 
<laughs> Do you think that they would, like a guy like Tristan Hill, who's shown some flashes in camp and, and preseason, you think that that might be somebody they would trade for a receiver? Because he's in the last year of his rookie contract. I, I can't imagine they're trying to re-sign the guy. Or do you need him for depth at the position and, and you're comfortable with him as a contributor this year? That's a great question. It's The answer is probably if I could get a receiver who was a veteran and you would swap me straight up for him, I'll probably take him. Um, because, you know, it, it just makes sense that way. Um, uh, but you're right. He seems to be the most appealing name. And now that he's shown a little something and he's still young, maybe somebody will take a chance on him. We shall see, but I guess that's it. I mean, we pretty much covered everything that I can think of from the preseason game. All in all, I, I enjoyed much more so watching it last night than I did from week one. And I think that that's the, the angle to look at, man, is to just kind of think of this as how good can the defense be and can the offense do enough to not screw it up because the defense is going to make some plays for you. And, and watching it with that mindset on Saturday night, I enjoyed what I saw from the defense. I still nah, don't really th- enjoy what I see from the offense, but that's okay. Uh, no, I think the defense got a chance to be really good and, uh, you know, really good. Let's see what that means, but I think they'll be all right. That offense, I got a lot of question marks about, but we ain't seen them play, so shit. There's no what way to know? Saying? Yeah, I mean, and again, I think that's a lot of it is go back to what, what we just said earlier here in the podcast. The depth that we see on defense and the backups that we are seeing on defense – I like a lot more than the backups we are seeing on offense. But I, I think that's a good thing for the Cowboys' defense. They've got one more preseason game. It's coming up on Friday. It's a 7 o'clock kick in Dallas. They will close out the preseason with Seattle. And then after that, man, you're off for essentially two weeks until Tampa Bay runs in here on, set, on Sunday night football to open up the season on September 11th. Apparently, Tom Brady will be their quarterback. So... <laughs> Yeah, That's a weird way. story, man. That dude disappears from camp for personal reasons, has been gone for 10 days in the middle of the, of the Tampa Bay camp. Nobody apparently, or if they do know where, they, uh, where he is, nobody is saying anything. None of these guys, like a Schefter or anybody, has any idea where Tom Brady is apparently. Oh, I would say they, they might know and, uh, and, uh, and aren't saying for whatever reason. Uh, you know what, man? You know what's interesting about this is my initial thought was just, I mean, just, I'll just say what it is. His mom's had cancer for a minute. I thought she was having some type of procedure or some type of deal or some type of difficulty. And he was just like, you know, I ain't got but one mom. I'll see y'all. She needs me now. Yeah, that was be. just my thought. That was my thought. Um, it's not like he needs the preseason. I mean, I, I, That's I, what I mean. You know, mom, you know, maybe mom's had a surgery scheduled or something popped up and she's got to have this scheduled for then. And I'm just going to help her through it. You know, I'll be back when I get back. Yeah, could be. It's it's a it's a weird thing. I mean, who knows? Now, I'm not basing that on anything. That was just my initial thought when I heard that he was going to be out for a couple of weeks. Maybe that that, that's that's a really good thought, I would say. And, And we may never know. We don't need to know. But apparently Tom Brady is returning to camp. And he might be returning this weekend. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, okay. Yeah, Schefter was saying that they expect that he'll be back this week at some point. So we'll see what happens. But before we move on into our trip around the block, we got to tell you about Brews Biltong. I am telling you guys, if you're looking for a healthy snack, something tasty, 
and you haven't ordered your Biltong yet, do yourself a favor and order it. Right now, while you're listening, get on your phone, whatever it is, get on your laptop, go to bruisebiltong.com, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G, and order your Biltong. Because you're going to love, if you like beef jerky at all, you will absolutely love Biltong. Bro, what's not to love? It's succulent. It's tender. It's tasty. It's got a lot of protein. Not a lot of calories. What's what's not the love, man? Um, it's fantastic. You guys need to try it. I mean, I've been a big jerky. I was gonna say I've been a big beef jerky fan. That you know over the years. Yeah. Uh, and so I, you know, I admit I gave Built On the shade eye when Matt was like, "Hey, we got new sponsors, Built On." Uh, we'll see, bro. But I was like, "Wow, this is good. It's tasty." I I don't even rock with beef jerky anymore. Beef jerky get caught in my teeth. I had to pull my toothpicks out, and uh, I used the plastic ones, but. This one, man, built on? Nah, bro. I don't even need them. Chews up great. <laughs> it does, man. It's, it's fantastic. I, you're going to enjoy it. I mean, you're really, really going to like it. It's Bruce Built on. We are the only podcast that he has ever sponsored, the only podcast he's ever worked with. So support these guys, man, because we really appreciate them. And the reality of it is, you're going to like it. You're going to enjoy it. Zero sugar, no artificial ingredients. And you get 15% off your order. Use the promo code JAM15, J-A-M-15, at checkout at bruisebiltong.com. Also, of course, and we tell you guys, we've been telling you guys about JR and Freeway Tire Shop for almost two years now. And the reality of it is, I know we pick up new listeners and, and people will jump in for cowboy season and whatnot, but the, if you are in the DFW area, anywhere in the DFW area, you need to be going to Freeway Tire Shop for all your vehicle needs, whether it's something like an oil change or serious mechanic work, because no one can tell you better than Jacques. This is, we have found the mechanic you can trust. Bro, that's what it's all about to me, man. It's about finding trust in the mechanic, just like you find trust in your doctor. And here's what I mean. When, when you take your car to JR, it's all about, yo, he can trust him to diagnose the problem. That's number one. Then trust him to use quality parts. That don't always happen, though. I trust him to do what, Matt? Give me a fair price. Yeah, it costs. It ain't free. But the price is fair. Like, okay, that's about right. All right. And then I trust him to stand behind his work, man. You get a mechanic who do those four things, use them. Since I don't know none, I ride with JR. It's the way to do it, man. It, he's right there just north of downtown Dallas, right off I-35. I mean, right off. But you can schedule an appointment. You can request a quote. Let them know you heard about him on the Jam Session podcast, man, at FreewayTireShop.com, and he will get you taken care of. So this trip around the block, you had the experience that I will have hopefully in about seven years or so that parents hopefully get an opportunity to experience, and that's when your child goes to college and you got to move them in, and it's... I've never experienced that, but that's what happened to you this past weekend because your son is starting his collegiate career and you moved him in. Yeah, bro. And it wasn't, uh, I don't know what it was. I thought it'd be a lot more emotional than it was. And maybe that's because my dude has been uh, so independent over the last couple years. Like, I mean, he really like kind of takes care, kind of took care of himself, didn't ask for much. Uh, I'm like, you know, he's not, he was never the kind of guy like, hey, I need some money. No, once he got a job, man, that dude didn't ask for nothing, mm. not even toiletry money. And so he's really the independent sort. And so maybe that's why I didn't have uh, the emotions. I, I was prepared for him and I wasn't fighting him because Matt will tell you, I, I cried a drop of a hat these days. 
uh, especially when I'm talking, thinking about him. But nah, I don't know, bro. It was a lot easier than anticipated. But uh, uh, when got him the other day, and uh, you know, walked in, and I was like, dude, could you could you be grinning any harder? I'm like, you must be ready to go. He's like, yeah. So here's what it is, man. I sent him a text earlier in the week. He said, you excited? He said, yeah. You know, very verbose, my son. Yeah. Uh, then uh, he sent me a text that said, hey, can I use a credit card? I'm going dorm shopping. I said, really? And so I was like, what are you getting? This dude sent me this detailed list of stuff back. And I was like, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody from a good home this ready to leave. I mean, if it ain't fun at the house or your parents and you don't get along, I see why you're anxious to leave. But I ain't never seen somebody from a good home this anxious to leave. And so, bro, uh, <laughs> I mean, we packed up his mother's car, his car, he had a couple things from my car and uh, rode up to uh, up to uh, Denton. And uh, moved him in. And the hardest part of the move, bro, finding the elevator to the third floor. Because the dorm had a north tower and a south tower. So it was about finding the right dorm. Rich elevator went yeah. to the dorm. But we finally found it. And, uh, you know, unpacked this stuff. I was like, dude, I mean, you are returning home, you know, at the semester break. You don't have to take everything that you own. <laughs> uh, but it turned out it just looked like a lot. It wasn't that much. Uh, number one item on his list, because I, I prepared him properly, was about, I'm guesstimating now, I think he brought about 14 pairs of shoes. Wow. Okay. Quick side story. When your kids are young, like, and I'm just surmising, Matt will correct me if I'm wrong, you kind of reward Madden with Lego setups if he's done well or yeah yeah so yeah yeah that's fair so lego is your thing you know hey you did good in this or that hey let's go get you a lego thing to put together all right dude in part because i don't know i guess you always want your son to be like you for whatever reason early on i started rewarding my son with tennis shoes okay you had a great six weeks and you got all a's we'll go get you a pair of shoes so this kid was like 12 with like 10 pair of shoes, man. And then when he started playing athletics, it was, you know, if you play good and you hit all your practices and you try hard, it wasn't about winning or losing. We'll get you a pair of shoes, you know, at whatever the appropriate time I deemed it was. So what I'm saying is he's become a shoe guy. And so him taking 14 meant he probably got another 15 or 16 pair at the house that he didn't take. <laughs> nice. Uh, so... Uh, but he picked out all his colors. I mean, he didn't want nobody involved, man. He's like, I'm going to get this. So he bought a comforter set and all this other stuff. And so, uh, you know, we were bringing it up. And uh, his mother was was putting it, you know, putting the sheets on the bed and all that stuff while we were bringing it into the room. And, uh, you know, he's got a T-shirt business and a hoodie business. And, uh, bro, he brought all this stuff with him so he can continue to do that. And uh, he's just off and running. And at the end, man, it was like... I guess we'll take a selfie and a couple of pictures, and I guess you want us out of here. He's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm, running, I'm, I'm in college. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, so I did like any responsible parent. Uh, I think that was Saturday. I called him, uh, what is today, Sunday? So that must have been Friday. I called him Saturday morning about 7.30. He was already up, so I don't need the judgment from you guys. He was already up. I was like, so, you good? He's like, yeah. I said, is it exciting? He's like, yeah. 
And uh, he said, I got my ID. I got my parking pass. And, bro, that was about it. <laughs> huh. All right. Yeah, I mean, it's so. college is uh, when you first go. I, I remember when I because I went to Collin County Community College my first year. And then I transferred and went to Howard Payne University for a year out in Brownwood. And I went out there as a private Baptist school, but two of my very best friends wanted to be youth ministers and they both went there. And so I was like, oh, I want to go to where they went. And so my mom and dad, when I was a sophomore in college, when I moved into college and they drove me out there and we moved into dorms and stuff. And, you know, I remember that experience very well. And it is interesting. College is interesting. I mean, it's living in the dorms and doing all that. Does he know his roommate? Did he know who they were? Wow. Now, how about this? Uh, we got to the housing thing a little late in the process, but at his graduation party, I was talking to one of his best friends. Uh, he's got Calvin Watkins, friend of the program, covers the Cowboys for the morning news. He's got two sons. They kind of grew up with my son all together because we were doing all this work together and stuff. So they're the best of friends, his two sons. His other long-term best friend is a guy, I like to say it like this, Matt. They locked eyes across a crowded pre-k classroom when they were three years old on the first day of school and ran and hugged each other wow and they've been and they've been boys ever since they played football together up until you know you stop playing youth football because you go into high school so like till they were 13 or 14 yeah and uh, ironically his boy went to cedar hill he's at DeSoto. they were so they were playing against each other then and then uh then his boy's parents moved to forney his junior year and so that his his buddy spent his last two years playing at Forney, uh, but when I talked to him at his graduation party, he was he had some other plan, and I was just casually talking to his dad. I don't know, probably about six weeks ago. He's like, "Yeah, he's going to North Texas." I said, "When did that happen?" And so, to make a long story short, man, they are sweet mates. So they got single rooms and they share a shared bathroom, but uh, they're both as happy as happy can be about that. That's awesome, man. That's. I that was always something that was so strange to me because I knew my roommate. I lived in the dorms for two years and my first year at Howard Payne, I, I it was a guy that was a freshman going and we decided to room together. I didn't know him super well, but I knew him well enough. Like we had gone to church together and I at least knew who he was and I knew, OK, cool. At least I know you. And then when I transferred to go to Southwest Texas State, my junior year, I didn't know anybody. So I, you know, most, most people, I don't think a lot of juniors live in dorms. Right. But I didn't know anybody to get an apartment with, and I didn't want to live by myself. So I knew a guy who had been in theater with me in high school, who was going to be a freshman at, at Texas state. And so I ended up rooming with him. And so at least I knew them to some degree, even if I wasn't like great friends with them or anything. And we had some good times. I mean, it's, Having a roommate, I mean, it is, especially in the dorm when you're in that close-up vicinity and you're yeah. around each other every day and it can be very difficult in a dorm environment to ever have alone time. Ah, true. I think they both got, I just sent you a picture too. You know I like to send Matt pictures. Yeah, uh, I think the thing of it is they got single dorms, which means you can get some alone time. Oh, that's nice. Uh, and they share a bathroom. Now, you know, I've known Devion since he's three years old. Here's the only question, man. Dudes, you got to hope you got the same bathroom hygiene. You know what I mean? Some dudes piss all over the floor. Yep, they do. I mean, they just do. And then some dudes, 
you know, depending on, you know, how you were raised. And when I say how you're raised, whether your mother said, oh, you pissed all over the floor, you clean it up. Or whether you had a, a housekeeper clean it up or whether your mom cleaned it up or your dad cleaned it up. Yeah. It's all different. Um, this is all y'all need to know about my dude. He used to clean the kitchen with rubber gloves, bro. Wow. <laughs> I saw cleaning products amongst the stuff that he bought to take to his dorm. I ain't like that. He's cleaner than me. And so I was just like, well, I hope they both got similar bathroom hygiene because if not, that may be the first fallout. Yeah, that can be really difficult. It's like we did not have in either of the dorms that I stayed in. We had to go down the hall to use the bathroom. We didn't have like a shared thing. It wasn't a suite. There was no, you know, I, I, I lived probably 10 doors down from the entrance to the bathroom. So you know, that would suck because if you ever had to pee in, at night, you had to get out of your bed, walk down the hall. You know, that was a little annoying. But I like dorms now are totally different. Like dorms now are way they're almost like mini apartments these days. Right. I mean, the dorm I was staying in hell when I went to college, there were two dorms and I don't think they exist anymore. There were two dorms on campus that did not have air conditioning. No, that 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 couldn't exist in San Marcos, Texas, bro. And <laughs> what do we do? I have no idea. I didn't get in one of those dorms, thank God. I got in, I had, like, my dorm that I lived in at Texas State doesn't exist anymore. They tore it down, like, 15 years ago. But it was about the size of a prison cell. It was very, very small. It was a tight fit, and it, it I don't know. It's weird to see these kids now that go to college, and, and they're like, oh, yeah, my dorm. I'm, what do you, your dorm's like a freaking apartment, man. Like, it's a, you should have seen what I lived in. <laughs> and I can only imagine, like, even going way back, like, when my parents were in college and whatnot, I, I can only imagine it had to be even worse because for whatever reason, it feels like it wasn't until like the last 10 to 15 years that universities started realizing we can offer really nice dorms and attract more students. Bruh, that's what happened. Some I don't I have no idea who did it, but somebody somebody put some nice dorms on campus for somebody other than the athletes. Yeah. And somebody said, oh, you should go to State U because they got great dorms. And state use enrollment, freshman enrollment probably went up. And somebody said, hey, why'd you guys enrollment went up at a president's conference? And the president was like, oh, well, we put new dorms over there on South Campus and the folks loved them. And, you know, I mean, ain't no, yeah. it, dog. It ain't, no ain't no different than facilities with power five football programs. It's true, man. Hey, why y'all attracting so many recruits? Oh, just, we just spent a million dollars on the locker room. And so they, you know, oh, you did that? Well, we need to go do it, too. And so sooner or later, everybody's doing it. Yeah, I mean, it, it is just, I, I, it's incredible to see, like, you just sent me the picture of his dorm room. Like, that's amazing to me that he basically has his own little room. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I, I did not, I, and I had that same kind of dorm room, but there was another bed on the other side. And we both right. stayed in it. And there was a desk, yeah. there was two desks. And there was a closet on each side of the room, and then that was it. And if you wanted to have a sink or any of that stuff, you had to go down the hall to the bathroom. And I lived yeah. in a co-ed dorm where it was all guys on one floor, and then the floor below us was all girls. Bro. And you weren't supposed, you know, and people just mixed and matched. I mean, you go down. I used to get up early sometimes, and I'd go take a shower, and there'd be a girl in the shower, you know, next to me in, in, on our floor. It was, I mean, welcome to college. Yeah, that whole that whole community bathroom things, uh, that's a that's a different world. Uh yeah. I, now, you know, I, one of my great regrets, I mean like at the near the top of the list is that I didn't stay in the dorms my freshman year or my sophomore. I never stayed in the dorms. 
Uh, and that's because my dad, I was uh, was teaching at Ohio State, and he lives literally a mile from campus yeah. in a uh, in a nice condo. And I just stayed with him. That was a bad move, especially being from Texas. I should have I should have told him, dog, y'all, you know, the tuition is not that much. You need to fit the bill and let me stay in the dorms for this first year, uh, you know, so I can meet people and really get engaged in campus life and act a fool and do all the stupid stuff that people do when they're in college for the first time. And instead, you know, I was coming home after school every day because I know y'all find this hard to believe. I've always been shy. And that's why my grades were good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My grades, I never, I don't think I, my grades that I made my first uh, two quarters in college, I never came close to matching that again until my last two quarters. Yeah, it, it, that's, I, I did two years in the dorms and then I moved into an apartment with a couple of guys that I knew my second year at Texas State and it was four of us in a three bedroom apartment and two of us had our own rooms and we paid a little bit more. And then two guys shared the master bedroom in the apartment. And that was, that was cool. It got a little interesting because one of our roommates randomly decided to move out at the end of the semester and just found some random dude to take his spot. And none of us knew who this guy was. And we did not like this guy. He was a bro. He, he was disgusting, left crap everywhere, left crap all over the sink. It got to a point where I used to take his dishes and I would just go put them on his bed. <laughs> And he came and we like, we got into it once. And I was like, dude, I'm not your maid, you, right? Like, we don't know you. Like, we didn't choose for you to live here, but this is how we live. And if you're going to live in this apartment, you got to do your stuff. Like, I'm not going to wash your damn dishes. So if right. you're going to leave this crap laying around and I need to use the sink and clean my own crap, I'm going to put your stuff on your bed and you can figure out how to get it done. <laughs> I used to do that all the time. And he like, come on, man. I was like, come on, what? What, you want me to clean your crap because you can't take care of your own self? He was a slob, man. I don't remember that dude's name. Dude, that's uh, that's typically what it is, man. It's because people grow up with different living habits, man. This is what I was talking about the bathroom. Just whether you clean it, you know, whether first off, whether you're a neat freak or whether you're a filthy person or whether you're somewhere in the middle. And then it's whether your parents always cleaned up after you or whether you had to clean up after yourself. It yeah. just, you know, because, I mean, when you get to college, you'd be shocked like, you mean you ain't never washed your own clothes? Your mom used to wash your clothes all the time? You don't know how to wash your clothes? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. And you just be like, wow, okay. I mean, no judgment here, but damn, wow, really? Yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was a trip. It, it's, And I'll never forget because, again, it's four of us that knew each other for an entire year and decided to live together. And then one of the guys, I, I, forget, I think he just left, like he left school. And we were like, well, dude, like you, you can't just leave. You're on the lease, man. Like you, we need that money every month that you've been paying. Like, that's not fair. And she so goes, oh, okay, well, I'll find somebody. He's like, well, we, who's it going to be? And he never tells us. And he goes, this dude takes over the lease from him. And it, I, I, this is what he said. He goes, well, I was walking around campus and I saw this guy and I was just asking people, do you need a place to stay? He's like, well, who is Bro. this guy? He's like, I don't know. Like we didn't, Bro. he didn't even know. Him. And that guy, God, that guy sucked. Because the flip side is, bro, would you want to live with somebody you don't know? No, never. And the answer would be no. So why would you sentence us to that? I know, man. And that guy, he was just, he was not our vibe at all. And we, he eventually got to a point where he would only come home to sleep, basically, because he knew that we didn't like him. He didn't like us. It didn't work. It sucked. And then finally, like my last year of school, I had an apartment that I lived in by myself. It was just a one-bedroom apartment. 
And that was in an apartment complex that was like a brand new one in San Marcos at the time that had some cool apartment things with it. And four of my really good friends lived in an apartment in the same complex, and we all just used to hang out with each other. And that was cool because that was like one of those things where like they would just leave their front door open and I just walk out. Like I, I probably spent more time in their apartment than my own apartment. You just walk in the front door and be like, hey, what's up, guys? You know, it's like one of those situations. It was kind of nuts. Right, right, right. But college living, man, there's nothing like it. College is, college is one of those times when you're going through it. It just, I, I think you realize that you enjoy it. But then you get to a point where you're eager to start your life and all that. And then sometimes I look back and it's like, man, I, I, I would love to go back to college again. It was just a lot of fun and, and really enjoyed it. But then that time of life is so weird, too, because you change so much. You change so... I, I, I almost think you change more from 18 to 22 than any other four-year period of your life. I mean, obviously, from newborn to four years old or whatever, but because you, you've got your personality... You've got kind of who you are and whatnot, but you, you're exposed to so many new different things. Yeah, I was going to say 14 to 18 and then 18 to 22 are two, uh, two big jumps in terms of who you are and what you're all about. Uh, so, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, because I don't know. Like, I got to tell you, man, and this is probably silly, but I'll never forget, like, I didn't realize that Rockwall was, like, a, a super nice place or anything until I went to college. Because that was my experience, you know? That's, like, how I grew up. I grew up with a nice family and all that type of thing, and we had a solid house and everything. But then I, I remember going to college, and I went home with a couple of my friends to visit their families for a weekend, and I was like, oh, my. Like, okay. So where I'm from is on a – it that really showed me – I don't know what the word would be. I guess it kind of opens your eyes – and that, like, just in college, you, you see so many different people that come from so many different backgrounds. Like, these aren't Rockwall High School kids. Like, there are people in Rockwall right. that were different and whatnot, but it's still, you're Rockwall. And then I'm, I'm going to college and being exposed to totally different belief systems and totally different socioeconomic situations that people are coming from and just totally different life experiences and, and just a variety of different things like that that I think it, you, you learn really quick in that few-year period that you really kind of are just another person in the world to some degree. <laughs> it's a big-ass world, man. Bro, um, at a much lower level, you know, one of the reasons I took my son out of private Christian school when he got to the sixth grade was at a certain point, man, you got to realize everybody don't say excuse me when they step on your yeah. shoe. <clears throat> and that, you know, there's some a-holes out there and that, you just have to understand everybody's not going to be like, oh, the Lord loves you. Yeah. And give you a hug every day. And I just wanted I, did, I just wanted him to get used to, like, here's what happens in real when you go to public school. There'll be some kids who'll be like, oh, I'm sorry I stepped on your shoe. God bless you. And there'll be some other guys like, stay the F out my way, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and you just have to learn how to deal with all those people. Yeah, you got to learn quick, man. And it, it's. College is a good time, and, and I think it's, it, it, it's exciting. And I'm, I'm glad we talked about that. I have, I have a lot of good memories from college. and Bro, my favorite memory is uh, we used to go, there's three of us. One guy named Mike, who's a uh, big-time investigative reporter with the Columbus Dispatch now. Another guy named Aaron, who covers the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets for probably about the last decade for the Columbus Dispatch. And me. And we used to go to Aaron's house two or three times a week. Whether we whether we had class in the afternoon or not, man. If the day was nice in the spring, 
And he had the perfect backyard for what, Matt? Wiffle ball. Oh, nice. Bro, we had some of the most epic wiffle ball battles that would last from like 2 o'clock to 7 (laughs) o'clock. And we would literally just play, round table it out, you know, round robin it out just all night long. It was one of those things where I could never beat Mike. Mike could never beat Aaron, and Aaron could never beat me. And it was, those were the glory days, and we and uh, his dad, Aaron's dad, name was Ralph, so we used to call it Ralph Park. Hey, fellas, we going to Ralph Park today? Let's let's meet up at Ralph Park at three. Let's go. That sounds like a lot of fun, my friend. Bro, a lot was, of fun. I'd like to go back in time and, and compete with you guys and do that. That sounds dude, like a lot of fun, dude. That that was by far the most fun I had in college. That's Playing awesome. Wiffle ball for hours. They. After day, hour after hour in college, which is why I graduated with a two point zero zero two. Yeah, that's it's it's interesting, man. I don't know. We used to play. I just was thinking about this because we used to play. We'd play football, but we would play tackle football in college. You know, and we'd be eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old, like physically tackling each other. And I just started thinking, like, man, that's probably the last time I played tackle football. You know, where yeah, you just go out with a bunch of guys, and I was like, man, that. Uh, there's no way I would do something like that anymore. Nope. I mean, no. I don't, like I, we, we used to do an annual football game with the league, my fantasy league, at the end of the year every year, and we stopped doing that a few years ago because even guys, you know, it would be cold, and they'd be like, man, I don't want to run around and, and do all that. I was like, come on, it'll be fun. And just got to a point where so few guys actually wanted to do that type of physical activity anymore. We just stopped having the game. Yeah, bro, ain't nobody trying to get tackled, man. Yeah, I mean, we didn't play tackle football with the league. It would just be like two-hand touch or whatever, but still, you know, you'd run into guys, and then guys like, you know, I got to stretch, and I'm afraid I'm going to pull a muscle. It's just like, God, we got old. What the hell's happening with you guys? Hey, that's why I quit playing rec league basketball. Not that I was any good at it. I was just like, I like to lift, man. I ain't got time to be spraining an ankle, twisting a back. I just ain't got time for it. So, And I'm not that good anyway. At this level. So I'm going to let y'all have it, and I'm going to go back in here and lift weights. Yeah, I played, I think the last time I played pickup basketball was when I broke my ankle. See, there you go. Yeah, because I went up for a shot and came down and landed weird on my ankle, and and it broke. And I think that's the last time I played, like, a rec league type. And I love competition. Like, I like doing stuff like that. But I don't know, man. Like, I used to play in a softball league, and it got to a point – you know, I'm so competitive. I had to mentally tone myself down because I was like, I'm playing in softball and I'd slide into second base and I'd get up and I'd have like a huge cut or whatever on my leg. And then you get home and shower and it bleeds and it scabs over. I'm like, man, this sucks. But I couldn't, I had to make myself less competitive. And then I felt like, well, if I have to do it like that, I don't even know if I want to play. Right, right. You know, like exactly. I, I would have to tell myself, okay, just rip the pitch in the gap. I probably can make it to third, but it'll be close. No, I'll just stop at second. <laughs> and I like once you get into that mentality, it's like, I mean, I don't know, man. And I used to like die. I'd be in the outfield and I'd die for catches and stuff. And there are times I'd like lay on my side for a minute, like, oh my god, and I'd I'd make these cool plays. But then it got, I mean, what am I like? What am I doing? Like, I might, I might be risking breaking my ribs diving for this ball, or I can just let the guy get a hit and field it on a hop. You don't know any better, bro. And it's rec league softball, and the game doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things anyway. Nope. But that's my balls-to-the-wall mentality. 
I mean, most of my sports injuries are just because I, you know, I was that guy. I mean, I was a guy that dove on the floor for all the loose balls. I just had a little bit extra. I mean, it's not like I had like some colossal amount of natural talent. I can play and compete in most sports, but a lot of the times I was willing to give it a little bit more than other guys were. Bro, that's just you. It's your mindset. Yeah, and you end up with broken nose and broken hands and ankles and wrists and all kinds of stuff that as you get older, you're like, I'm not doing that anymore. Nah, bro. I'm good. uh, That's why I gave it up. Yeah, you got to at some point, man. That's what happens when you get old, I guess. All right. That's a solid podcast, I believe. I hope everybody enjoyed it. I like that college conversation. That's fun to reminisce. Yeah, bro. That's what we do, man. It was good times. That is fun to reminisce. And we'll be back. We'll have another episode coming your way later in the week. Cowboys, their final week in the preseason, essentially, as, again, Friday night. They got a Friday night preseason game this week, 7 o'clock in Dallas against Seattle. So we'll be looking ahead to that, see what else happens with the week. But I hope you guys enjoy it. Have a great week, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.